I'm back, baby. Oh, my double crap. Do you know who I am? No, but maybe if you hum a few bars. Yes, sir, random kid I just met. You know, this man's forgotten more about pain than you'll ever remember. About pain. About forgetting about. It's Jake C. Lee. I am the low rating that cancels your program. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. Don't be jealous because I'm attractive. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you're serious. Let me laugh even harder. It's time to check the link. I like that. I didn't do anything wrong because I can't do anything wrong. Hooray! People are paying attention to me. It's all in sports. Game on, everyone. It is All In Sports. Jake Seeley, your host, as always. Follow me at All In Kid if you're not already. And a reminder, if you have gone out and given this show five stars or if you subscribe, the whole shebang, send me that screenshot. I think you were saving them if you hopefully done it in the past. So send them over. You got till the end of the month. If you haven't yet, go do all those things and send over the screenshot and make sure I respond. Make sure I either give you like a thumbs up emoji or something so you can be entered in the contest to win the signed Michael Thomas helmet. It's a mini helmet. It's really awesome. It goes nice right on your desk. So go, all, go do all of that. And at the same time, as a reminder, another one for you guys, two more actually, if you go to patreon.com front slash all in sports, that's where you get the extra shows with Joe Pizapia, Chris Meany, and myself, YouTube show, extra, all good sorts of things, the black book, discount on the t-shirts that I sell, which I still have some of the check the link. Uh, I can order more of the band kickers. So let me know if you guys want those. They're available. And then the final one, if you're not yet subscribed at The Athletic, it's not just me, it's everybody. It's like a drink a day or a drink a month, actually, if you really think about it. Save 30%. Go to theathletic.com front slash all in sports. Very simple. You see, everything's all in sports. You just remember that and you remember everything. 30% off of the entire year, which, like I said, comes out to like $3 and change a month. If you can't afford that for not just me, but everything going on over there, I don't know what your problem is. You should do it. Just like listen to the show. You should do everything I tell you to do, and hopefully. Like, check the link and do the rankings, except when I'm wrong. But we don't talk about those times. But it's James Coe Day as a change of pace because Thanksgiving this week. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I hope you enjoy a great meal. I know I will and some good football. Man, that game was terrific. But like I said, let's talk some football today. All right, we bring in James Coe. You know him from The Athletic. You know him from, if you're watching DirecTV, as mentioned on the Fantasy Zone on Sundays, you follow him at James D. Coe. Normally here for Coe Knows on Thursdays, but this Thursday is Thanksgiving, which we were just talking about. And so we had a little special Tuesday guest edition with James. So I appreciate you switching things around, and I hope you have a good Thanksgiving coming up, James. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. Thanksgiving is uh, is always so great because uh, you get to eat and uh, not worry about it, and uh, you don't feel too guilty about it. I guess sometimes. What is the so rankings time? What's the best side? Mm. Uh, I am a stuffings person, but it's like when you say that, that's like saying I like sandwiches because it's like <laughs> there's so many different kinds. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. But yeah, I generally like stuffing. And, um, and I, I do tend to gravitate towards that on the sides. You know what's going to sound weird? I like the bread. Like, I want the, like, the rolls, the butter rolls, the croissants. What? Like, yeah, I'm telling you. Like, because I love the stuffing. My mom makes the sweet potato, like, yam types. Like, she uses this um, maple syrup, brown sugar type of glaze. Like, so they're just, they're not even real 
sweet potatoes. Okay. They're just del- super delicious. And so like all that, I love all that stuff, mashed, but I could eat like eight like biscuits or rolls or like whatever, you, whatever's there. I just, I, okay. I kill those things. for so I just love them for some reason. That's interesting. All right. Yeah. I got to have them. I got to have, them. especially if you get, like if you get the Pillsbury croissants, if you get those, those okay. are, those are tops. Okay. I like it. I like it. But a lot. I will say this, James, the day yes. after the sandwich with turkey stuffing gravy and maybe a little, if you want to put something else. I mean, I'm good with just that the day after mm. sandwich that, that is, the best thing. Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, <clears throat> actually, a, sa- a turkey sandwich with uh, you get I I I gotta put cranberry sauce on top of it. That's really? my. Are you, are you the a, fresh cranberry sauce? Or are you the jar <clears throat> cranberry sauce? No, it's fresh. My wife actually makes an unbelievable cranberry sauce with uh, with orange peel. That's Ooh. that's kind of what takes it. Yeah, to for me, anyways, is uh, next level. Oh, nice. That that yeah. actually sounds pretty good. Yeah, because I don't like the canned stuff, so I, I don't... Yeah, I'm not a big canned guy either. Yeah, I'm not no. a big... It's, a, it's fresh. Speaking of rankings real quick, yes. and I know people know this, is like I've like got a little bit of <clears throat> in my throat still a little bit because I've been getting over being sick. As that, oh, people yeah, know, that's right. why we weren't on the show last Thursday, and I still got the... I, I want to see if you agree with this one, too. So I, I was talking to somebody else. I was ranking my worst symptoms for being sick, and I said, like, people are immediately going to jump to, like, sore throat or fever. But I, I think that people have really thought about it. So here's what I'm going to say. It's like, so fever, whatever. You can take aspirin. That just comes with it anyway. Like, the bathroom stuff, I'm not even going to go there. But that just comes with Like, you can take stuff and get over that. The worst three for me, sore throat's actually third. Because you can still take stuff. You can t- Like, the spray actually works really well. Stuffed mm-hmm. off the second because no matter what you take, it just lasts for days and days and days and days. It just doesn't go away. It's so frustrating. Number one for me is actually if you get the cough because they even say scientifically none of the cough medicines work. Like nothing does anything to make the cough go away and there's nothing worse than that cough that just continues and continues and continues and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's a very good point. It's, uh, I won't say it's debilitating, but you know, in our line of work where you know you, you got to talk, it makes it pretty tough, man. If you if there's something, uh, you know, just you got an uncontrollable urge for sure. Yeah, you ever get one of those like guttural ones that are just like, unless there's nothing. Again, the medicines don't do anything. But speaking of things that make you sick you see that transition there james Ooh, this is yeah. why I like you know, this is my profession pro. here yes the i like alex it. smith injury so mm. uh are you one of the guys that like if you missed it you will go back and see it or if you missed it you're like i'm glad i missed it i don't want to see it uh i probably will go back just to see the severity of it um just a curiosity uh, it, factor it's not i mean it's a little curiosity but it's kind of like I don't know. I just want to, I, I don't know. It's, it's almost medical in a way, you know, it's like, okay, well, how bad was it? You know, it's like, are we talking like multiple screws and plates into the leg or, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's almost like it's clinical. I think that's probably the best way to put it. It's, it's yeah, clinical the way I kind of watch it. So know. for people, it is gross. Have, don't get me wrong. I get completely yes. grossed out, but, um, but I do want to see the severity. This one was for people who haven't seen it. This was the floppy leg one. So if you are yep. grossed out by that stuff, don't go see it uh, because that's just – and, we, of course, we have the whole Joe Eisman of timing and the comparisons and all that. It's very unfortunate. But, I mean, I want to talk about this from two angles, James. And I told you about two weeks ago, I said, this is fun. This is the last time we ever have to bring this guy up. And it's not because I'm bringing him up again because I just want to ask you this question. This is from a non-fantasy standpoint. Does the Alex Smith injury 
put some credence into the whole Le'Veon Bell situation, was, which is obviously you can make it through a season of playing 16 games. Ty Gurley's on that. Ty Gurley's done it before. And, you know, the 14.5 million, 14.5 you'd never get. On the flip side, does this kind of make Le'Veon Bell's case where, you know what, it would have just only been 14.5 if this happened to him. And now he's looking at at least two or three times that guaranteed. Yeah, I think that I think it certainly makes sense. Um, at least from that aspect, you know. Look, it's not a great situation. We had talked about this before, but you know, the players' association—they just need to get rid of tags. It's truly one of the worst things that uh, that exists for players. And quite honestly, it's not good for the fans either. You know, the fans get so upset right. with the players um, because they're holding out or whatever it is, and it's like they don't really have that many options. So. Uh, in the next collective bargaining agreement, I would love to see the, the players fight to take away tags. That'd be one major step. Um, but, you know, you, you could point to Alex Smith. You could point to Earl Thomas, um, certainly who, you know, I think that's probably the best, you know, um, you know, uh, player for player comparison because this is a guy that, you know, it, it lost, did lose out on quite a bit of money uh, in the pending free agency because of his injury. So, um yeah, I think there's certainly a case to be made. Um, you know, look, the bottom line is more often than not, you're going to get through the season healthy. Um, right. That's just, I mean, just statistically, that's just the numbers, you know. But that being said, you're, you know, you're gambling with it. You know what I'm saying? There's certainly a, a, a gambling component to it. And I think that's what makes it so, uh, it's just, it's just not a fair situation for the players. So yeah, that's, that's exactly. what I would say about that. No, I could not agree with you more. And like you said, I think that's a really good way of looking at it too, is, is the fans just kind of make it. Just the ones that tweet at the players and complain like, you know, if, if you were holding out your job or you had other situations, you're going to look out for you. I mean, that's, that's what they're doing. So, all right, we will talk fantasy-wise now. We have Colt McCoy in for conceivably the rest of the season unless something happens to him too. But looking at him and looking at his brief, I guess history of playing football that career wise. Cause he's in his mid, he's almost in his mid thirties already, which I didn't realize, um, yeah. but he hasn't played a lot, but the brief time that he has, I think the most comparable or comparable, whichever way you want to say that word, it looks like Joe Flacco really. And it's like, you look at the yards per attempt, you look at his air yards, and it's all kind of in that range, which would kind of lean us to think, Hey, maybe he will be a lot like Alex Smith and we'll see Jordan Reed and we'll see, whether it's Trey Quinn or Jamison Crowder coming back in the slot, that's where he'll go. But at the same time, when he did come in the game, he targeted Josh Doxson the most. So do you have any insight, or is this pretty much one of those situations where we say, we can give you our best guess, but there's really nothing we can definitively tell you because that's just what happens with these things? Yeah, I tend to not <clears throat> take too much stop when a backup quarterback comes in mid-game because there's just no game plan um for that so they'll have the rest of this week obviously to game plan what the um, offensive attack might look like in the coming weeks but I think this is what we know of Colt McCoy he struggles to get the ball downfield uh he's a pretty good short area passer uh, which is what Alex Smith does well pretty pretty well as uh in addition so I don't know to me I, I don't think Look, you, it's a downgrade, obviously, at the quarterback position. But from a fantasy standpoint, I, I think it'll be pretty much a, a lot more the same. You know, short, medium area passes, not a whole lot of attacking downfield. The bottom line is Washington's pass catchers are just so banged up. You know, whether you're talking about Chris Thompson, whether you're talking about Paul Richardson, the $40 million man in the offseason, the wide receiving core just hasn't been healthy. You know, so... um 
I, I just I don't know what to expect from Colton McCoy, but I do think, and I think it's probably really fair to say, uh, there will be a good amount of underneath throws similar to what we've seen with Alex Smith thus far. Which is worse right now, the Raiders wide receivers or the Redskins wide receivers? Oh, I mean, I didn't even mention Jamison Crowder, who was a, who has been such a reliable slot man as well. So it's, 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 <laughs> it's tough, I mean, it's about man. Marcel Aitman's about to be their number one. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's true. <clears throat> I don't know, Jordy. I mean, Jordy. I guess I don't know, man. I, I, even when we're talking about Jordy, we're talking about a guy who's a much older player. It's so. Yeah, it's it's tough sledding for for the Raiders and for the Redskins too, man. I don't I don't know. I guess if I if I had to pick, I think a worse situation probably in Oakland. Yeah, I think so. All right, let's reverse course and do positive then, and let's talk about last night's game because yes. from like and you know what I saw Trent Dilfer's tweet and I saw him get blasted and he fired back and got angry and I understand his point. He was saying if you actually look at the game from the quality level with the penalties, with the plays, the turnovers, the lack of defense. It wasn't a good – it wasn't a pre-NFL game. But for entertainment and for fantasy, it was a hell of a game. Over 100 points, everybody in fantasy except for Todd Gurley, though Todd Gurley had an okay game, but it definitely wasn't what you want when you see both teams scoring 50-plus points. Right. But what do you take from this – like – I wrote up the waiver column. This is basically what I said, James. And I know you have some insight on Josh Reynolds, so that's going to be really good for this conversation. I said, a game like last night, you can't take a lot from it. That's that's far from the norm. We know that. You have 400 yards, 500 yards in the passing game. You have 11 offensive touchdowns for both teams. You have almost 50 attempts on both sides. So all this type of stuff is kind of like, it's hard to really put a lot of weight into anything. The one good thing I will say is that we saw Josh Reynolds take his target share boost from 10% to almost 17% in last night's game. So going forward, I feel better about him as top 25, 30, not Cooper Cup like top 15, but I think Josh Reynolds in that 25 to 30 range is good just because the biggest thing I wanted to see was that target share go from 10% to something better. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the air yards and the target share weren't very high uh, in the two starts that Josh Reynolds had previously when right. Cooper Cup was injured. So it was mostly just, you know, Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks. So um, I think this was a little bit, I don't want to say an outlier game for Josh Reynolds, but I just, I don't think that we will continue to see that level of right. targets and that level of air yards uh, for Josh. I, it just, I mean, I could be wrong, obviously, but um, I think Jared Goff has a certain level of trust with Brandon Cooks. I think he's got a certain level of trust um, with Robert Woods. So, I, I mean, and again, I, I mean, it, it's like you said, it's hard to take away, you know, real talking points from that game. It was a great game. I, I disagree that I don't think it was – I think it was well executed. Even the, even the five turnovers that Patrick Mahomes had, um, a lot of them were just great plays. So, you know, mistakes yeah. will happen. I, I'm not – I mean, I, I don't think anyone's saying it's a perfect game, but I – oh, man, I, I don't know. It's, it'd be hard <laughs> – to me, anyways, it's hard to argue that it was a sloppy game. I don't know. Anyways, but regardless, <laughs> um, uh, I just think that, you know, again, Josh Reynolds – uh, previously, before again in those two starts that he had for Cooper Cup, uh, it, it's not 
he just didn't, you know, get a lot of volume. You know what I mean? We're talking about a guy who saw something like four, four targets a game or something. And, um, you know, I think it was, I think it was three targets a game and 30 air yards a game, which is incredibly yeah. low. So, well, let me ask um, you this. Yeah. Then. Is he potentially the Eric Ebron of wide receivers where he's, he's out there, he's running routes and he's going to see a lot of looks in the red zone at least, but, that's the risk you understand is that he's still third in the pecking order for the receivers, which means he's fourth in the pecking order order overall. And that's the risk you're running. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a great red zone threat. Um, I mean, he's got four, what has he got? He's got four career touchdowns and four career starts. Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, I, that's probably how I, I would view him is somebody uh, that is a, a, an excellent red zone threat. Look, I, I did write up the, the I, I wrote up the fact that I think Josh Reynolds was an absolute start um, in this matchup because again it was anticipated to be so high scoring. So you just wanted to expose yourself to all that touchdown upside in games when it won't be nearly as high scoring. I just I don't necessarily know if Reynolds is that guy. Look, Gerald Everett broke out <laughs> and had a humongous game in that game. But prior to that, I mean, we, he barely got any volume at all. So it's just hard. I, I don't. I don't think you're necessarily chasing the Gerald Everett volume, are you? You know, and, I, I didn't even put him in the waiver column. I'm waiting for somebody to ask. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, he had a great game. He had a tremendous game, but it was just on a handful of targets. Um, and not saying that Josh Reynolds is not that guy, because look, he got eight targets in that game, caught six of them for 80 yards and a touch. So. Um, the guy can make plays. The bottom line, the guy can make plays. You know what I mean? We're talking yeah. about a dude who can, who's six three. He's got a four five two um, forty times. So the guy can absolutely make plays. And, and the tape I watched, you know what I really like about him is he's six foot three. Yes. Yeah, so you're thinking, okay, long, lanky, you know, downfield. But you know what, man? Short area. He's got great short area quickness. Great lateral movement a lot of suddenness in his breaks and um and i think that translates well uh if he needs to play slot which i think he will so um you know he'll split out wide and, and play in the slot but he's got to be versatile and, and that's what all these wide receivers do uh for the rams they got to be versatile so uh, he fits right in he fits absolutely right in but i i think you just got to be careful with uh, with the matchups moving forward so if these two teams somehow make it to the super bowl over under on the over under being 70 because it was 63 and a half. The in game, by the way, I don't know if you were following along. The in game over under before it hit halftime, it jumped to 77 and it was still obviously blown away. Blown Do you think we get a 70 something for the Super Bowl if these two teams face each other again? You know what's really funny? I, I didn't know what the over under was going in, but it just off the top of my head, I had said it just internally at 79. Yeah, I just didn't see any way possible way. way, given the defenses, how, how, who was going to stop who? Kansas City certainly wasn't going to stop the Rams. And when you when push comes to shove and, and KC's got to score, they're going to do it. I don't care yeah. what the Rams have. You know what I mean? They could have a healthy Aqib Tlaib. It's all Patrick Mahomes and this offensive judge, they're going to score points, period. So that's why I, I thought when I finally saw the line at 60, I, I was so upset with myself. I was like, man, I really needed to lay, you know, my entire mortgage down <laughs> on that line because I internally I had it at 79. Yeah, right. So and I'm like, still, okay, you're still under by what 26 points somewhere. That's around? what I'm saying. I mean, you know what I mean? So, I yeah, it was just that's just bananas. Um, 
so yeah, it's it's not if they get to the Super Bowl, it, it's first of all, it's got to be well over seventy. It has to you be. Would think it's got to be. I mean, I know that that would just be you know, it just seems like an outrageous line, but I don't think it'll get to eighty. But I think seventy five, seventy six, yeah, hundred percent. Why, why would it not get there? I mean, seventy is thirty five, thirty five. Right. right. So let's just go 73. Right. So we're going 38, 35. That is so well within the realm of possibility that you got to be thinking. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> is it going to be 80? Maybe it'll be 80. It, wow. It, that, that's, I just hope it's two of the three teams of the Chiefs, Rams, and Saints. That's all. I just, just give me two of those three teams in the Super That'd Bowl and I'm going to be happy. Yeah, that would be great. You know what yeah, we're going to Real quick, getting. speaking of what you're talking about, the defense, how do they not, like, how do teams at this point just not essentially almost spy Hill with a safety? Like, I, I understand, like, just keep one over top of them every single play. Just keep one over top deep. Like, it's, maybe if you want to run a two deep every single play, but you got to have somebody deep on them. Yeah, I don't get that either. Um, given Given their wide receiver core, okay, um, and, and nothing to take away from these guys, but I mean, come on now, uh, other than Tyreek Hill, who do they really got? I mean, they had a banged up Sammy Watkins so, and I get it. You know, if, if you go single high safety and, and you're going to spy Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins is out there healthy flying around, he's going to burn you. Okay. I get that. But yeah. without him in the lineup, uh, Chris Conley, you know, Rob, Demarcus Robinson, I, who, who's going to hurt you over the top? Apparently, I just Chris don't. Conley, uh, play a touchdown. Well, hey, listen, yeah. and, and, and I'll say this: Chris, Con- hey, Chris Conley's got great athleticism. Uh, I yeah. think he's, uh, you know, he he's got a great forty time, a forty inch vertical. I don't know necessarily know if he's got that athleticism uh, coming off of the injury, but um, but yeah, no, no, I, I get it. Uh, but but still, I think I think it's safe to say at this point you could still cover him man to man, right? Mm-hmm. But so you're right. I I just don't understand the mindset of. Okay, we're just going to play our base defense. Like, no. <laughs> when there are cer- there are certain players in certain com- it's like Randy Moss with Tom Brady. No, you don't play base coverage against Randy Moss, Tom Brady. You just don't do it. You yeah. have to double team him ev- literally every single play and force the ball somewhere. Let let somebody else beat you. You can't let you can't keep letting Tyreek Hill do this to people. It's craziness. Uh, I don't know. That's being said. Bring back like the three, three, five. Like run that on them. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> the three, that would be. That would be incredible. We did see the. We did see the single T, so that was good. Yeah, so well, right. so, maybe so, we can see some old school formation. The three, three, five. I actually, I saw. I was proposing to my buddy. It was over the weekend. We were watching the Lions game because he's a Lions fan, and I said, facing the Lions, you need to bring back the two, five, just because all they do is throw out to the flats, and half of those passes yeah. are behind the line of scrimmage. Just, just. Run yeah. a two five and you're going to destroy yep. the Lions. <laughs> you're right. No, you're right. Uh, but no, I mean, getting getting back to Tyreek Hill. Look, Andy Reid has done a great job scheming him open too. You know, so it's like, yeah, you could have that safety spy, and that takes away the deep ball. Which is, by the way, you, you just got to take away the deep ball. Um, I'm not saying that's you. You're definitely going to beat the Chiefs that way. But I mean, <laughs> you just <laughs> you just can't let Tyreek Hill run run rough shot over you. It's just it's madness. I don't understand. Anyways, but yeah, it, it's you're right, hundred percent correct. I just it just doesn't make sense. What are you guys doing? Please stop this man over the top. 
I just, yeah, I don't understand. It's like the one thing is like, how did you let him get by? Like of all people. Uh, but you know what? Speaking of athleticism, let's talk about Gus Edwards because that's the big name of the week. And you can look at this a couple of this different ways, but I want to talk about the athleticism because you talk about a big dude. Dude's 6'2", 230. I would guess almost looking at him, he's a little bit more than that. But he did run a 4'5 and change at his pro day. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, pro day guy out of Rutgers because we're out of Rutgers and not a lot of people were paying attention to him. So the one thing I do like about him, and this is the only thing I like about him, is he's a north-south runner. And he's basically what I told people is picture in your mind, Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry not trying to do more. Like Derrick Henry not trying to bounce outside. Derrick Henry not trying to take sweeps. Like just run north-south, run between the tackles, and yay, you're good. And the one thing I say about Gus Edwards, and I, this is where I want to get your opinion, is why I'm saying go ahead and blow your budget if you have anything left, if, even if you have 55 bucks, or just go for it because there's a potential that you get an RB2 week 12 of the fantasy season. Yes, he could be a one-week wonder. Yes, Lamar Jackson could have opened up lanes for him. Yes, they might go back and get people more involved, including all the rest of the guys because they had now three on the roster and Ty Montgomery was barely involved. But you still have to take that chance at this point of the season because what are you waiting for? And then I go back to what I was saying about Gus Edwards, James, and I looked this up, and the Ravens actually have one of the highest marks of yards after contact and before contact running off the guards and center. So... If you're telling Gus Edwards, just do what you do, run up the middle, run up the middle, run up the middle, there's going to be success here for him. Yeah, listen, if you're running behind Marshall Yonda, um, good things happen. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I would, I would 100% agree with that. Um, what complicates matters further, too, um, is the fact that Kenneth Dixon also has been designated to return from IR. I know, um, we have to do that again. I know, but it's <laughs> it's there. I mean, Alex Collins, Ty Montgomery, Javoris Allen, you know, Kenneth Dixon, Gus Edwards. I I don't think Harbaugh has been shy to mix and match, you know. Um, and yeah, Gus Edwards looked great. I, I agree with you. If at this point in the season, I don't know what you're waiting for. You might as well just blow the budget. Go get Gus Edwards because you're right. If they decide to keep Lamar Jackson in there. Um, it will open up a lot of lanes, I think, for Gus Edwards, much like we saw with RG3 and Alfred Morris um, in you know, RG3's rookie campaign in Washington. It's just when you run these RPOs and, and linebackers have to be wary of speed from the quarterback, well, when you get a north-south guy, it tends to work. So, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would agree with you. If that, and if that's in the realm of possibility, that's in the range of outcomes, for Gus Edwards, yeah, absolutely. You need to go roster this guy. Not not necessarily saying you're going to play him every week, just like you said, but um, it's at least in the realm of possibility this guy ends up being a top 25 running back the rest of the way. Yeah, and like you always say, I, I say the same thing. Like, what are you waiting for at this point? Like, everybody, it's as a quick sidebar. Everybody's like, oh, you know, you could get like the David Johnson. The problem is, is we're so knowledgeable and the running back pool is so depleted at this point of the season that – Guess what? Spencer Ware is owned in a lot of leagues. Malcolm Brown is owned in a like. I don't know what you're waiting for that you think is going to happen and pop off at this point of the season where a running back is going to show up on your waiver wire in week 13 and you're glad you saved 70 bucks for this point of the season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess you could go through the exercise of going through all 32 teams and figuring out, you know, who do you really like, you know, like, but still, I, I mean, let, let's say, God forbid, something happened to David Johnson. I mean, are you really, you're really, going to get gassed up for Chase Edmonds and I just don't 
I mean, in that offense, you are. I don't. I don't. I don't know. You know. <laughs> yeah, this it's. Uh, I'm always one of the ones that I usually have nothing left around week nine or ten, <laughs> or like very little left. <laughs> well, right, because, right, I mean, right. And you got to look at it as kind of like a return costing too, James. Like even let's say you got an RB two in week three, or you get an RB two in week thirteen. I'd much have the one that rather have the one I got yep. week three and got right. thirteen weeks out of. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and and look, if you're in first place, nine and one or whatever, it's like great, good for you. You didn't have to waste your waiver budget. I get it, you know. But still, um, for for the vast majority of us fighting for playoff spots, you're right, man. I would have much rather had a top thirty running back back in week three. You know what I mean? Yep, no problem. All right, let's go to Leonard Fournette. Speaking of running backs, oh, by because, the way, we didn't yeah. talk last week, but two yeah. weeks ago we had talked about, you know. Is Doug Marone, do you believe the – and I was just like, nope, I absolutely do not believe those reports at all. And what happens? Doug Marone, this dude – Leonard Fournette, this dude misses, you know, a billion weeks in a row with the hamstring injury, out of the gates, gets 30 touches. It's like – and then last week he got 40. Marone, what? It's, it's unbelievable. I'm it's just – it's so baffling. You and I were on the same page. You're right. We were talking about that two weeks ago, right before it happened. We're like, he can't be this stupid, right? <laughs> well, I was just saying Marone can't help himself. I, he really can't. That's true. Uh, it, it's just like, I, I know he, and he was saying all the right things. Like, you know, hey, look, we got running backs now. We made that trade. We got Carlos Hyde. You know, we can absolutely, you know, mix other guys in. We're going to ease Leonard Fournette back into it. You know, there's no reason. He's missed all this time with injury. No reason, you know, to, no, he just can't help it. He, he he just cannot he cannot help himself he just can't do it it's just it's crazy man I, 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 and again how do you do this where i get it I, you know i totally get it the jags must win situation every single week you know I, they're pretty much out of it now i guess but yeah it's like they got to pretty much win you know uh and i understand leonard fournette gives you that best chance but the guy missed like two months with an hamstring, and you and you you give him seventy touches in two weeks. How well, does that make any sense? <laughs> that's where I'm going with this. Is like, if your trade deadline has a pat, well, actually, a lot of people's trade deadline isn't until this week, right now, before Thanksgiving. That's a lot. I always, because I'm in a keeper league, I always put it to the week after, especially because people are busy with other things during Thanksgiving week. Not a surprise, and it's hard to get deals done this week. But in any case, whatever it is, if yours still hasn't passed. I have been saying for the past two weeks, and it will be the third week in a row when my column comes out at midnight, James, to sell high on Leonard Fournette, not just because like what we're talking about right now is just beating him into the living ground and having such a terrible injury history, but the efficiency. It's like like I, I put the note to you, and I said Leonard Fournette versus efficiency. It's like if he doesn't touch the ball 25 times, he's probably not having a good game. In a lot of ways, and people will probably balk at this just because of recency bias, but in a lot of ways, it's like Melvin Gordon. Melvin yeah. Gordon really was extremely, extremely inefficient uh, to start his career, and it was the same situation. If he, got, uh, if he got a game where he only got 12 to 15 touches, he was a bust. But if he got 18 to 25, great game. Yeah. So... Um, you know, to me, I think Leonard Fournette is just too integral part of this offense. I think no matter what, he's going to get 20 touches. 
Um, they could be getting blown out 40 to nothing. The guy's still going to get 20, 25 touches. <laughs> um, and it's just because they don't know how to play any other way. They really don't. Um, Doug Marone's so, got like the settings to like zero injury risk or something like that. He just, he, he doesn't care. I don't think he, he, I, he clearly doesn't. I mean, again, <laughs> this guy missed, you know, uh, more than a month with a hamstring injury and he's gotten 70 plus touches in two weeks. That, <laughs> he's the one that like when that thing pops up on Madden, it's like 79% injury risk got banged up. Do you want to put him back in the, yes, put him back in the game. Go. <laughs> Go, 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 and then give it to him immediately. <laughs> yes. Just doesn't, I mean, like I said, from a health standpoint, it doesn't make any sense. But from a win-loss standpoint, maybe it does. But that being said, why the hell did you trade for Carlos Hyde then? I don't, I, why why'd you do that if <clears throat> you're not going to even run him out there? He got doesn't a few touches sense. last week. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just, look, they've got three K. I think they've got three capable backs. Um, they've got a pretty good offensive line. It, it makes a lot of sense to give the defense different looks. Um, but, you know, whatever. We're just, <laughs> just going to have Leonard Fournette cram it down the middle every single time. Yeah, just um, just so, yeah, no, I, look, season. you're right. We'll, we'll, if he doesn't get a lot of touches, is it, uh, is it a problem? Yes, 100%. But how many games will he not get that many touches? It's not going to be that many. Uh, I mean, Doug Marone, again, it just doesn't matter. They're going to get him touches. Period. Yeah, so, I mean, I was looking at their schedule right now, and their schedule actually helps the rest of the way because it's Bills, Colts, Titans, Redskins, Dolphins. Well, Texans is week 17, but nobody cares about that or shouldn't care about that. The only right. one you can risk getting blown out here is the Colts, and that's if the defense doesn't play like it should. So to your point, yeah, I don't, I don't see how he's not getting 30 touches. That's so insane. He's going to get so 30 insane. touches a game the rest of the way. 100% until he gets injured, which is most likely going to happen. Which is most like, and I hate saying that, but it's most likely. I think it's more realistic than not. He's got a m- greater than fifty percent chance, even if even if it's fifty one percent chance of getting injured. It's fair to say it's more likely than not that he will get injured. It's you're right, and like you said, it is it is sad to say. All right, let's start with the sad. We're going back to good. We're kind of going back and forth with this. So back to good. Uh, the Saints. And actually, two players. And we'll go with two here. Traquan Smith, huge game, breakout game, so to speak. DJ Moore, huge game as well. Definitely his breakout game. Either one of these that you have more confidence in going forward. Because on the one hand, with Traquan Smith, we do have the Brandon Marshall thing coming. And not that I expect anything of Brandon Marshall. But something in the back of my mind is just saying, "Ah, I don't know how excited I want to get about Traquan because this team was adamant about finding. So, I mean, like they went out there, they bring in Des Bryant with other people practicing. They bring in Brandon right. Marshall after this. So they want somebody else, which concerns me again to go back to the snap count. And I feel like Traquan Smith is kind of in that go back to like the Dante Stallworth days is like, all right, mm-hmm. that's great. He's great this week, but I'm not going to see him again for four more games. And then he's going to go off again. DJ Moore, I think definitely has the better floor. I think he's the most talented wide receiver on the Panthers, but it is the Panthers offense compared to the Saints offense. So if you only had to pick one, are you in the, which one would you take? And then are you feeling the same way I am? Or do you have a little bit more confidence in one? No, I I feel the same way. Um, You know what you're talking about. Traquan Smith got, I mean, just loaded up with targets all of a sudden. I mean, he, he had been seeing pretty decent, you know, air yards per target. He's their deep threat guy. You know, he, he, this kid, this kid can absolutely fly. Um, and Sean Payton's offense has always, always featured a burner downfield. Um, 
And Traquan to me is not necessarily, I, I think he's worth the roster spot clearly uh, just given the offense and given his role in the offense, but reliable. Oof, gosh, that's tough. Uh, I think he's just a very volatile player. I think you hit it right on the head. I think DJ Moore is probably your safer bet. And as we saw last week, he gives you just as high of a ceiling. So um, I would much rather be playing DJ Moore. A lot of us have been talking about this in the preseason too. Uh, this kid, man, he is like, to me, he's like Golden Tate with speed over the top. Mm. Um, he's a running back with the football in his hands. When he gets that ball out in space, he's looking to punish DBs. That's the style of play that he's got. Um, and how it fits into Carolina's offense, it, it's still very touch and go. I know he got a lot of looks last week, but it's still an offense that runs primarily through Christian McCaffrey. Cam Newton's obviously going to get his requisite number of rushes. Greg Olson's still out there, uh, still getting a ton of, of looks as well. So I think it's pretty volatile uh, for DJ Moore as well. But if I had to pick between the two, I would probably go with DJ Moore over Trey Quan Smith. Yeah, and the schedule is pretty too. If oh, it's beautiful, and, yeah. And the interesting thing about that is I know a lot of people were talking about Cam Newton and Devin Funches, but if you look at the schedule, while on paper the defenses are very exploitable, <clears throat> there's actually a decent hand, like a good handful of the rest of the games where the number one corner is still not the best matchup which we assume would be put on Funches, and then DJ Moore could do even more because he's getting these great matchups the rest of the way. So I think that's something people didn't pay that. Who's the one, by the way, for the Saints I'm forgetting? There was like Stallworth, Kenny Stills was there for a while, Robert Meacham, and there was one other. There was one other that was kind of like, especially in that Stallworth range, I almost felt like Stallworth just replaced him. I feel it started with like a D or something like that. Uh, wow, we're going it's, back. Yeah. Um, so, um, it's like his first thing. I know it started with a D too, and I was like, "Oh, they just got another." When Dante Stallworth came in, I was like, "Oh, they just got another one." <laughs> <laughs> they just got oh, another oh, one. Oh, I know. Guys. Devery Henderson. Oh, Devery Henderson. He was That's the one it. before. Yeah. Yeah. Stallworth yeah. was I the think, one that did, hit somebody with his car, right? Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> and didn't Devery Henderson? I think he even had a thousand-yard season. Did he? I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up. Uh, no, 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 no. He he got close. He had a, he had a couple of 800 yard seasons. Okay, he got <laughs> he, he was nipping on those heels. Devery Henderson, man. Yeah, I was going for yeah. the way back callback on that one. As you can yeah, say, that's pretty good. That was pretty like good. well, to your point, I was backing it up. Is they've always had one of those guys. All right, sticking with wide receivers, the Houston Texans situation. So. I initially, with the Kiki QT, I wrote him up when they head into their bias and said, this is why I still want to stash him. But here's the concern I have. In the two games, so he had four games where it was DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, and him on the field. Right. Two games, great. Tons of targets, good numbers. Two games that were not so great, and actually one of them was quite terrible. So it's basically a 50-50 split of who knows what you're going to get from QT. Now we had Demarius Thomas come in, looks great in his first game, only had three targets, but he caught all three and had a decent game and looked acclimated. And then now this past week, he gets nothing. He has one target, zero catches, and QT has a huge game. Can we roll forward saying QT over Demarius, or is this going to be like a revolving door situation and you, who knows any given week? 
Um, to me, I think QT is, is an extremely reliable receiver. Uh, he plays primarily out of the slot. I think he plays something like 75 or uh, even more. Um, I, we'll just round it out and say 75% of his snaps out of the slot uh, for the Houston Texans. Demarius Thomas is obviously going to play primarily out wide. The three targets or whatever it was that Demarius got his first week, they were all scripted early in the first half. So after that, he didn't really have a great rapport with Deshaun Watson. And I would, again, have my concerns as to how much of the playbook has Demarius Thomas picked up. Uh, he was in a system for a long time and uh, didn't really have to learn too much. So I just, I don't know, from the rest of the season. And plus, we've seen a, a real degradation of athletic abilities from, from Demarius, too. So I, I just don't think he's a real reliable receiver at this point um and for me qt who uh according to next gen stats has the you know leads the nfl in terms of separation stats i mean we're talking about a guy from the slot and look and all slot guys have elevated you know separation stats right. it's just the nature of the position but again among all wide receivers uh with at least you know 39 targets which is what he's got he leads the NFL in separation. He is giving, and I think it's because of his role in the offense too, where he's the slot guy. And meanwhile, you know, DB's got to account for Nuke and now Demarius on the outside. The underneath stuff is just, I mean, it's wide open. It's why when QT was not there, uh, was it Jordan Thomas? Who, who's their tight end? Yeah, Jordan Thomas. I think Thomas. it's Jordan Thomas. I got tricked into DFS one week going for Ryan Griffin thinking it was going to be, and it was Jordan Thomas's game. <laughs> right. So it's why Jordan Thomas was getting wide open looks. But now with QT there, and again, remember, this is a guy with good speed, 4 4 5 40 speed. Um, this is a guy that can, you know, uh, really burn people, not, not only over the top, but also underneath as well. You know, I'll tell you this he is third in the NFL among wide receivers with at least 25 catches. He's third in the NFL in terms of yards uh, after the catch. So he's averaging more than eight yards after the catch. That mm. is impressive. And a lot of it is, again, because you think about the, those separation set. These two things go together, right? If you're wide open when you get the ball, I mean wide open, and you've got, you know, he's averaging more than four yards of separation per target. Right, so when that happens, there's so many, there's so much space, and when you get a guy who's got four, four, five, forty speed, well, listen, this guy's got to get upfield, and he could go to the house. So I really like his role in this offense as a slot guy that's underneath that can also run that seam route and burn people over the top. So um, to me, I really, really, really like Kiki QT, and you know, you mentioned the games where he wasn't necessarily that great. Um, one was against Buffalo, and Buffalo's defense is, is great. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. terrific. The other one was against Jacksonville, but he actually got hurt in that game as well. Uh, so right. I, I, to, to me, I just think, you know, if you look at his, his three games where he was great, 15 targets, seven targets, nine targets last week against Washington, I think that is much more in line with what we can expect moving forward. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to ding you a little bit. It was actually 71.3%. So. Uh, ah, there you go. And you're off by 3.7%. Passing <laughs> grade. And to, and to, actually, yes. to your point, though, even though in only five games, 20.6 target percentage while yeah. he's in the slot. That's pretty good. Is, 
That's a, yeah, it's a pretty daggone good number, especially if you're considering being like what you would think for a normal slot receiver as being the third option, but it clear is that he's the second. So I'm with you. I'm excited for QT going forward. Uh, quick one more, and then I got a quick sidebar before we get out of here question for you. So um, Wentz, I, I, I don't think there's any way to say it besides the fact that that was just the most miserable Eagles game you could have expected anywhere. Nobody Ugh. had this entire offense passing game-wise ranked low. Everybody expected the exact opposite. These things happen in football because they are football. Wentz right. actually heading into that game, and I know this because I wrote about him as like, you want to start him this week? Well, that didn't work out. He had oh. 22 points per game, or 22 points in every game six weeks before that. So he was on a roll. People weren't paying attention, and then he lays that egg. So Two questions here for you. Is it, one, are we worried about the Eagles as a whole, or is it just one really off week and these things happen? And then two, are you doing Josh Adams? Because he's the guy this time, because before him it was Wendell Smallwood, and before him it was Corey Clement, and before him it was James <laughs> I just want to know if you're one of those people that's like, no, 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 it's Josh Adams this time, trust me. Um, I am firmly entrenched in the Josh Adams camp, and this is coming from somebody who was – firmly entrenched in the Corey Clement camp. <laughs> um, but I think it's a situation where, look, if you look at the, the snap counts, right, it's like 30-30-30 basically um, between the three running backs of Clement, uh, Smallwood, and Josh Adams. You know, that being said, it still, it still does remind me very much of what we saw last year um, with, you know, Jay Ajayi slash LeGarrette Blunt slash um, Smallwood slash Darren Sproles. Um, and to me, just with the way that they run this offense, I just I want the guy that is the bigger back. And the reason I say that is because between Ajayi and LeGarrette Blunt, those guys saw 220-some-odd t- uh, carries or touches last year. I think it was carries. So something like 200 carries uh, for the bigger guys. You know what I mean? And the – you know, quote unquote, smaller guys, they got work in the passing game. So Josh Adams, to me, fits that bill from an athletic standpoint. And he's a terrific athlete, too. Uh, Obviously, an extremely north-south runner. And I say extreme because it's, (laughs) he doesn't have that much wiggle to his game. No. Um, So, you know, he's a little bit, I don't know, stationary. I I, I don't know. Maybe that's not the right word, but he's very upright. He's very, he's a very vertical runner. in a lot of ways, he reminds me of like, of like Latavius Murray. Um, yeah. But in this yeah. offense, I think in this offense, I think it works. Mm, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm still not doing it. I just I, my whole. I hear you. No, <laughs> look, I, and I wouldn't say he's anything more than a flex play. Uh, oh, that, okay, that's fair. I'm with you. It, See, that's uh, that's where I'm completely with you. Yeah, if, if you're running him out as an RB two, uh, hopefully you've got a great RB one. And you just and you're able to kind of gamble with that position, um, or maybe it's just a really deep league. Maybe it's a 12 team with deep benches, or you know you got ravaged by injuries, or you know, or, or just something where okay, you're running him as an RB two, but you're kind of treating him as a flex. You know, I, I that would be my expectations would be uh, a 12 team flex play. All right. Yeah. And, and I think that's decent. And it's the, my issue is always the people who are like, Oh no, 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 this time, this time we're getting the top 15. Back. <laughs> right. This is the time. <laughs> this is, this is the one. All right. So the passing game, you think we get a bounce back this is just, like I said, one off <sighs> things happen or were there legitimate concerns you saw there? Cause I saw a lot of people, 
I always love, so I'm going to throw two, two of them out is I saw a lot of people on Friday talking about how Marquez Valdez-Scantling had one of the worst slot matchups and this should have been expected when nobody was saying that heading into the game. Now, he did have a terrible matchup. It's just like, where were you all week when we wanted this information? And then you see this come out after the game that, well, Carson Wentz has always struggled with balls 30, 40 yards downfield and they got into a pass down the field mode for the most of the game, which is the biggest mistake and blah, blah. It's again, it's like, okay, where were you before this game? But all that being said, is that a concern going forward, or do you think this team just gets back to what Carson Wentz can do well, and Carson Wentz keeps it 25 or shorter, and the Eagles are fine? Yeah, I, I, I'm not exactly sure. That's interesting to me. I, I hadn't heard that. Um, in, my, in my pre-draft evaluation of Carson Wentz, I thought he struggled downfield. But uh, it was more of a situation of, I can't really tell if it's Carson Wentz or his receivers because of yeah. you know, where he played. Right. Um, but I didn't see, I, I, I saw some issues with his deep balls because they were a little bit flat, but, um, it's interesting. I, I didn't realize that that was a thing that was still being said was that he struggles downfield. I, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, well, you keep it in your back pocket and don't mention it until it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's a great, that's a great point, man. It's like, it is funny. The keyboard warriors that come out, um, Post fact, yeah, you know what I mean. It's like, well, okay, but you didn't. You, you obviously you didn't feel very confident about saying that before, but now that he, you know, goes for you know 150 yards or whatever and looked terrible, it's like all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always, always <laughs> yeah. struggle. This is the it's red like, flag he always really? had. You guys should have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really. Okay, that's interesting. Um, yeah, no, I, don't, I, don't, I actually don't put much stock in that. I actually think he's a, a, is, is actually a pretty good uh, downfield thrower. And more than anything, I think Doug Peterson's put him in pretty advantageous situations to throw downfield, whether it's off of play action or RPO or whatever it might be. Um, I actually think he's done a really good job of scheming. And I think Carson Wentz has shown a lot of ability, actually. Uh, throwing downfield and you know what you know what I really like about Carson Wentz too and this does get him in trouble sometimes but you know more often than not it pays off he trusts his receivers to go make plays so even if it's Nelson Aguilar he's like go get it if it's Alshon Jeffrey and his you know no separation it's all good just go get it Um, and and that's what you kind of like about what Carson Wentz brings to the pass catchers there I am. We had, talk, definite- we had talked about, by the way, we had talked about this a couple of weeks ago um, about Zach Ertz. And yes, um, I was about to go there. I'm so glad you did. Yeah. So they tried to incorporate Tate a lot more last week against New Orleans, and it kind of failed spectacularly. So Zach Ertz was actually fifth on that team in terms of targets uh, in that New Orleans game. And some people are like, well, there's nothing to take away from that game because. Um, because it was a blowout and everyone did bad. But it's like, wait, hold on now. That's not the point, though. The point is the volume. Right. And, and if we're talking about the volume and Zach Ertz being fifth on that list, um, I think there is some takeaways there. Now, the fact that the offensive game plan was an abject disaster makes me think that they will just say, screw it, we're going to go back to what works. Um, and, and that's kind of why I think maybe we will see um, a huge Zach Ertz bounce back game. Um, because again, also facing the Giants. Yeah, they're facing the Giants, and the Giants really, you know, with their personnel, have have struggled to, you know, defend tight ends at times. So, um, 
and I don't, I don't even know what to take of the Giants. You know what I mean? Because, you know, they lost Eli Apple. They lost, you know, Damon Harrison. And, and you know, th- those are two of their better players, Snacks especially. So who knows? Uh, the, the Giants are uh, – they're a mess, obviously. But, yeah, I would imagine Zach Ertz gets, uh, gets right. And I think he has a nice – a really nice bounce back game again. Um, and, you know, the OC for, for Philadelphia even talking about how it's been, quote, unquote, difficult to incorporate Golden Tate. So – I, all the all of those things kind of you know if you read between the 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 tea leaves there I would imagine they just go back to what was working for them before and what was working for them before was basically um, three primary pass catchers in Zach Ertz, Alshon Jeffrey, and Nelson Aguilar. That would be that would be my thought, but I don't know. They also you know gave up a good amount of capital to go get Golden Tate, so there's that as well. Um, but I'll be very interested to see what happens against the Giants. They speaking of the Giants, they also cannot stop the run anymore. Especially now they got rid of Snacks. Uh, not right. that they were that great before that, but now it's gone to completer, complete dog. You know what? And they, yep, yep. the Lions used to be the one. But now they got Snacks. And I was going to say is I'm going to have. I will let you know. I'll let everybody out there know. I will have one tournament lineup at least on DraftKings where I have Josh Adams, Zach Ertz, and Carson Wentz. I'm going to do it. And, and I, I know go. I just raged against Josh Adams, but there will be one lineup where I do have that trio. Yeah, absolutely. I think it makes sense. Um, yeah. I, I, look, the, the the problem with Josh Adams is you don't know what kind of how many carries he's going to get, and you're basically relying on him to just use that athleticism and just break one big one. Right, um, which is fine. I mean, against the Giants, yeah, sure, whatever. And the watch is going to be Wendell Smallwood on a screen pass, taking it for. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll say this too. You know, I mean, we love coming up with you know just imaginary game scripts. That's what we do in fantasy. But look, man, if if Josh Adams gets into the secondary, you think these you think these secondary players aren't going to be making business decisions, looking at this big old two hundred twenty pound <laughs> back coming down at them full speed. No, because the best one they have to stop that is Landon Collins, and he has a free agency coming up. Oh, he's making business decisions for sure. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's like, all right, yeah, I'll I'll try to push him out of bounds, but if I can't, you know, oh, well. I mean, hey, listen, you know, we are what we are. It's fine. All right. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I could see it. Yeah, I could see it happening. Do do a lineup just like I do. There you go. So last two, get you out of here. One, this this is just football in general. Do the Buccaneers make any sense to you? Because I don't remember if you and I talked. All I know is I said it to a lot of people. I don't remember who at this point. I said, the Buccaneers told me Jameis Winston wasn't the future. And when they made the final switch to Fitzpatrick, and I said, all right, that's fair. If you want to make that decision, I'm okay with it. But that decision includes Jameis Winston's just not step back under center because if he gets hurt, you're guaranteeing 20-plus million dollars next year. And yet, what do we see? Jameis Winston come back. Jameis Winston starting this week. Are the Buccaneers the dumbest team? Or is it? Here's why I say this, and I know a lot of the counter argument, James, is that Dirk Cutter was trying to save his job. Guess what? Dirk Cutter's not coming back. Dirk right. Cutter and the front office can't be on the same page. I can't see the GM and the front office sitting there saying, "Oh, that's fine." If Winston gets hurt, we're cool with giving him twenty million dollars on a guaranteed cut. <laughs> I don't understand what this team is doing. I, you know, in a way, actually, in a backdoor way, not that I don't think Dirk Cutter's working with the front office to do this, but, you know, in a backdoor way, um, Cutter actually is helping the front office because this is really devaluing James Winston's value. You know what I mean? If they do want to keep him. <laughs> yeah, if they do want to keep him. That's what I mean. You know, if they do want to keep it's like, 
it's like, yeah, we'll give you a three-year deal. We'll give you a four-year deal, but we're not going to give you anything, you know, close to, you know, we'll, we'll give you a Blake Bortles three-year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and I say this about a lot of quarterbacks, but with the depth at quarterback now and with established veterans and also promising young players, the guys who are entering their, you know, um, the quarterback, you know, free agency, if you will, Guys like Marcus Mariota, guys like Jameis Winston, who came in the draft together. Um, if Oakland decides because they can, if Oakland decides to cut Derek Carr and waive him, and maybe they want to re-sign him or restructure him or whatever it is, the teams really are in a great place. Um, because I tell you what, if if Tennessee goes to Marcus Mariota, if Tampa goes to Jameis Winston and says, "We're going to give you a four-year deal. It's going to be seventy-five million." And fifty million guaranteed. Um, and God bless you if you could get more. But that's the offer. But by all means, go out there, try to do what's right for you and your family. Go get as much money as you can. But this is the offer. But we 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 really like you. We we love you. But we think this is the market. Um, and if you can get more, bless your soul. Go get more. <laughs> and we totally advocate that. In when in reality, the thing and there's there's no way in hell this guy's going to get more. Right. Um, but that would be my thing. You know, it's like Jameis Winston, what you've seen on tape, does he, does he warrant, you know, more than a Blake Bortles? I don't know that he does. I was just about to say to you is if you said all three of these, and I'm going to throw in a third name here, ended up in the next year's free agency, all three teams say, go, you know, just let them go. And just, they're all out there. Do you think there's a chance that Mariota Jameis Winston could actually get lesser contracts than Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> I, think that's that's a, like, I think that's a feasible situation. I don't think Mariota. Um, really? With all this nerve stuff and his elbow and all that thing? Uh, like, that's, that's, a good point. that's my biggest thing. You know what? That's a really, that's a really, really good point. You know, and, you, and uh, as, because as people unfair love as it is, you know. I mean, look at the contract Nick Foles got. <laughs> like, people like, oh, we see the upside. We love the – this is what we, you and I and everybody talks about fancy all the time is right before players come back from injury or like one huge game is that's when you train them because people love the unknown and think it's always going to be mm-hmm. the best. I would mm-hmm. not be surprised if Bridgewater got a bigger contract than both of them. You're right. You're 100% right. You know, and, the fact, and, the, and, and if all these teams do do to this, where Bridgewater's a free agent, Derek Carr's a free agent, you know, Jameis and Mariota are free agents too, you feel even more confident lowballing them because yeah. it's like, listen, if this doesn't work out, we'll just go sign that other guy. You know what I'm saying? It's right. like Tampa could t- talk to, to Jameis and say, this is it. This is your four-year, $75 million deal. Like I said, go get more if you can. And if he does, you just turn around and sign Bridgewater, Carr, or Mario. Eli Manning? <laughs> or give Eli Manning uh, one year, $15 million. I don't know, man. Oh, God, it's so painful. But, yeah, I mean, look, um, I just don't think it's, it's not a strong – it's not going to be a very strong quarterback market, uh, no. really. So – just with all the names that are going to be out there, you know? So, yeah, I, I think, you know, in a weird, crazy way, I actually think Dirk Cutter, and again, I'm giving Cutter zero credit for this, okay? Because I don't think he's planned like you're this. giving him like 5% just by default. No, 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 zero credit. He is, it's, it is incredible he still has this job. 
with the look. I, I mean, I even think about the talent level that he had last year. Okay, you think about all of those players that they had on the defensive side of the ball, and for them to be as bad as they were, and people were like, "Oh, Chris Baker was a a, a bust." It's like, no, clearly it wasn't. Clearly it wasn't because it doesn't matter. They could they signed JPP, they signed Vinny Curry. You're telling me Vinny Curry is not a good player. You're telling me JPP is not. A, no, these are good players. They've got Levante David, right? They've got they've got guys on that front seven that legitimately all of them could make Pro Bowls, legitimately, talent-level-wise. This is not a – and I get that Mike Smith is, was the D.C. and he was horrible. It's fine. But Dirk Cutter has to shoulder a lot of that blame. So, um, yeah, I'm giving, him, I'm giving him zero credit on this. But in a weird, strange way, he has actually helped out the Tampa Bay Bucks by devaluing <laughs> Jameis Winston. Oh, that's a really interesting uh, look at it. I, I like that. All right. Here's the last question for you, fantasy-wise, before I get you out of here. Just as a, I want your take because, of course, anytime you bring up the PPR versus non-PPR, it's an impassioned debate. And my biggest thing has always been, I, I hate PPR. I make that clear. Everybody knows that. I just hate free points. I hate giving out points for nothing. And my biggest argument against it is obviously five-yard blown-up play for or negative five-yard blown-up play still counts for positive half point, which is right. just the most bat insane thing to me in the history of forever and i say i understand like you go back to the origination of ppr it was to level the playing field and my whole point and there was a tweet that i actually sent out earlier today where the playing field is now level because if you look at non-ppr there's 19 running backs and 20 wide receivers that are inside the top or that have at least 100 points and then it's 33 30 and 48 65 so now you get deeper at wide receiver and if you do a half point in a ppr it far starts to outweigh the wide receivers. So my only counter argument to this is, and I still always say, play however you want. And that's why I'm asking you, just out of curiosity, your opinion. But more so is what I've been trying to do, and I'm curious if you like this, is I say, touchdowns are overweighted. I, I hunt, I've always said that. I completely agree. It's overweighted to have one touchdown equals 60 yards of effort, which is highly unpredictable. For, I mean, just go back to Jerome Bettis's three rushing yards for three touchdowns. Just give more points for yards. Make it a point and a half for 10, a point and a half for mm. 25. Because yards are what are predictable. Yards are what we do as a business when we're predicting our game scripts, our flows, or everything like that. And that's where you fix the outweightness of the touchdowns. And I, I don't know why. I don't know why. I guess that's my question, James. I don't know why so many people just aren't like, oh, that's an interesting idea, and instead push back with, no, it's PPR. That's how you fix it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, there's so many, there's so many things to that. Uh, and wow, what a philosophical question, uh, from a fantasy perspective that is, um, I, I'll say this about PPR. I think PPR very elegantly expands the running back pool. Um, and you're right. I, I think it was originally intended to kind of balance the, you know, the, the running back and wide receiver problem in a, in a league that didn't throw the ball nearly as much. Um, probably half as uh, literally half as much yeah. as we are seeing now. Um, and you're right. Uh, that problem has already been solved just by game script, but PPR still, again, very simply and elegantly does expand the running back pool, which is nice. Um, it doesn't make it such, such that running backs are, uh, so difficult to find. You know, because there are a lot of guys that are situational pass catching running backs and, and, and having PPR definitely, definitely, definitely 
um, expands their roles and expands their values. And in, in traditional non-PPR leagues, running backs are still extremely coveted. And if you have a running back injury like we have so often, your team is decimated, which is – that part kind of stinks. Right. Um, so that's, I think that's part, that's part of the, the, the PPR argument for me, which is kind of what people don't really talk about, which is it expands the running back pool. Um, it really isn't, it, See, me, that, it don't, I don't think it really I'm, does anything other than that. Um, I think, it, and, and I agree and I understand that. And I think, but at the same time you get the negative effect of it overweights the wide receivers. And that's why I say like the, my biggest point is, so you have the, uh, perfect examples in, in that tweet for running backs that scored 50 plus points. Now rem- remind you, I, when it was a hundred points, they're on the same page. And 50 points, they're almost on the same page in non-PPR. You're talking about they're like almost equal. But when you get to PPR, it jumps from there's 60 running backs with 50 points. There's 94 wide receivers. And I think wow, that's my biggest issue is you just went from 33 to 30, even playing field, to mm-hmm. a 34 point pl- or 34 player difference. And so I 100% agree with you is there's a way to get more value. And I just think the yards, because if you have that with the PPR running backs, if you have that with the theoretics and the Jalen Richards, and those are actually, if you think about it, and you know this, is there's fewer than those than people actually think. It's not like yeah. it's that reactionary, but you give them a point and a half for every 10 yards. And then you know what? Guess what? That 50 yard game of seven receptions still to your point ends up being more valuable and you can use them in your flex. I still think touchdowns, I do disagree with you wholeheartedly that a touchdown should be devalued, but um, just hashing this out, I I do think it's an interesting thought that you kind of rejigger running back scoring specifically. And the reason I say that is because we already do that for passing yards, right? Right. So we already have given a different set of values. One for 10 and one for 25. (laughs) Right. That's exactly right. So for passing yards, we've already done that. Now, how about if we did that for rushing yards, you know, or running back points? You know what I mean? So maybe not rushing yards per se, because then running the quarterbacks are just so insane. Um, well, you but do, for I mean, running back points. Yeah, you could just do it specifically for running backs, too. I mean, there's that would be that would be interesting where running rushing yards by running backs is is weighted. Um, that, that's an interesting thought. And like I said, we already do that with one position group. So so there you go. Yeah, and I mean, the same thing is they arbitrarily a couple of years ago, they're like, well, four points for a touchdown instead of six. Why four? Like, where'd four come from? Like, it's just, that's yeah, four. That's cool. It has to be less. <laughs> yeah, I hate that. I, I, I absolutely, I don't play in any leagues that award four points for passing touchdowns. It just, that part drives me, <laughs> it just drives me crazy. I'm like, I See, don't what understand. I did my home league is, and I guess this is, this is just a phil- philosophical difference is I do, I still think they are a little bit overweighted and it's not a huge difference, but in my home league that I've now for like 13 years, I do give more yards. I do. I, I, I give the point and a half, but also all touchdowns, including special teams, because I always hate when, you know, you get three. Like, last night, both defenses finished inside the top seven, despite yeah. 50 some odd points because of defensive yeah. touchdowns. So point uh, touchdowns across the board are five. And it's just hmm. it, like it, uh, mostly also because like if you're going to arbitrarily pick out four to begin with, well, let's just make them all five for everybody. Everybody's on the same playing field. You drop it a little bit for the defenses and the skill players, and then you bump up the quarterbacks back to five instead of six. And it's just everybody's five. Everybody's the same. 
I don't, I don't hate that. I, you know, I kind of dig it. Uh, you know, it makes it a little bit more tricky to figure out scoring, uh, like in your head when you're watching it, you're like, Oh, I just got six, you know, versus oh, I just yeah, got five now or, you know, but it's fine. Um, I, you know, I, and I've written a, a very long actually column about quarterback scoring because I think quarterback scoring is completely and utterly broken. Yeah. I remember fantasy. that. Um, and the, the column that I wrote was basically advocating six points for every passing touchdown and negative four points for every interception. Um, and the reason for that, and everyone's like, oh, well, who cares? Because all quarterbacks will see that bump and all quarterbacks, will see but it's not true because guys who like, for example, like Patrick Mahomes, who's on pace for 50 touchdowns versus Eli Manning, who's on pace for like, you know, 25 touchdowns. It's like that differential, the point differential gets expanded. And right. similarly, guys like Aaron Rodgers, who don't turn the ball over um, versus, versus like Blake Bortles. Or Blake it's like this is it's it's really the Blake Bortles rule, the 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 <laughs> six and negative four. It's the Blake Bortles rule, where you can't have Blake Bortles finish as a top nine fantasy quarterback because that's just ridiculous. The I mean, it's just crazy. He's been a top twelve quarterback fantasy quarterback year in and year out in standard traditional scoring leagues, despite having twenty some odd turnovers. It when in real life, you wouldn't even say this guy's a top twenty quarterback, right? right. So. How, how do you I, – I think fantasy, you know, you know, should at least reflect the real game, at least reflect it. Um, and I guess – and I know that there are some major differences, but you can't have Blake Bortles as, as like a top-tier, top-flight fantasy quarterback when in real life nobody would want Blake Bortles. You're 100%. Do you still have a link to that article? Um, it's, it's an old, it's, it's old. I think it's a, it's a couple, maybe it might even be three years old now, but it was, uh, um, it, retweet it again and I'll retweet it again. Cause I, I remember that article to it. Like I remember reading that and I actually think I retweeted it at the time cause I thought it was a great article and great points. It's just a very simple. And for me, it's like, you know, people come up with like really crazy, weird, you know, ways to do stuff. And that way it's, it, it is very elegant. It's very simple. Six points for touchdowns, negative four for interceptions. It's as simple as that. Yep. Uh, I think this is a great one. All right. Let me get you out of here. Follow James at James D co and James tell everybody where they can find your stuff. Are, are you still Kono's regular schedule this week because of Thanksgiving? I think I am. I hope I'm not, uh, you know, on a different schedule cause, uh, I'm not ready to write yet. <laughs> uh, no, so I didn't know maybe if you were coming out early because of things that's, what I was, I was setting you up for it. So definitely not, uh, definitely not ready to write yet. I am definitely, most definitely not ready to write yet. So, um, so yes, I, it should come out on Friday. At least I, at least I think it will. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and we'll get it going. And of course you can go catch me on, uh, direct TV channel 704 every Sunday morning. Yep. So while you're standing in line on black Friday, you can read James article, which will save you some time and, uh, aggravation, just ignore everybody else. And we'll be back next week as always. And like I said, go check them out there. Follow James at James D co one of the best. I appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you next week. All right. See you. Once again, that was James Coe. Again, sorry for last week. I was under the weather, down with the sickness, as I'm sure you guys saw my tweet with my fun little reference to disturb. But yes, that's where I was last Thursday. Sorry for that. Enjoy today's pod. I'll be back tomorrow with the Patreon with Joe and Chris. I'll actually be doing another All In Sports for free to come out on Thanksgiving, probably Wednesday night, so you have an advance. You can take it with your travels. You can listen to it on Thursday. But I'm going to have Adam Ronas on from SiriusXM and Scout Fantasy. And I'm also going to be talking to Chris Burke about the Detroit Lions. And, uh, you know, maybe there's some good news for there. We can find some to talk about. But like I said, I'll be back. Enter that contest. 
get a t-shirt, check the link, do everything, whatever. Have a great Thanksgiving, although I'm going to say that again tomorrow and a couple more times. I'll talk to you later.